That means 95% of the world's population thinks, lives, experiences life completely differently than we do. 95%. It's amazing. We, we think of ourselves, and I guess we can't help but think of ourselves that way, as sort of like, you know, the center of what's going on in the world. And yet the reality is, there's a great commission that Jesus gave His church. And I, I really think that while we live in a nation that literally does have a church, on at least in many of the towns, you know, every single corner, I think sometimes we think that's the way it is all over the world. Can you imagine nations of hundreds of millions of people where they don't have a single church anywhere? And here again, we're looking at the year 2011. You know, I don't know about you. I want to deliberately do something to change the world that I live in. You ever thought about that? What, what, what are you... What does God want us? What are you going to personally get involved in in the year 2011 to change those statistics? I think we need to ask ourselves that question. Again, some of these passages in the Scripture are just, they're so familiar with us, or we become so familiar with them, let's put it like that, that I think they lose their meanings. Go with me to Mark 16 real quick. And just let's look today at the heart of God. What God wants. What His desire is for this world. And even for me individually. Had a just a great time last night meditating and thinking about, again, some of these passages of Scripture. Listen to this. This is... Mark 16 and verse 14. The Bible says that afterward He appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and He reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they didn't believe those that had seen Him after He had risen. Can you imagine that? You watch Jesus die, and obviously that's going to affect you. And they, they simply don't believe those that have seen Him alive. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But listen to these words. He that has disbelieved or believed not shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those that have believed. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly or any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And look at these words. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Pretty excited. The last three people I've laid hands on have told me they've gotten healed. Three in a row. We're going to pray for Julie in a minute. I'm going for four today. Glory to God. Listen to this. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. They went out and preached everywhere. Listen to this. While the Lord worked with them, confirming 
and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. How many of you know what this is called? The great commission. The commission that God gives the church. What does the word co mean? Together. Isn't that what we read here in verse 20 of Mark 16? They went everywhere preaching, and the Lord worked with them. It's not you. This is what I want you to understand. The Word that the Lord gives us to go into all the world, it's not one where you're by yourself. He's with us. It is with His power, in His power, in His might that we go. And look at this again, the word commission, the mission. What do you think the mission is that needs to be accomplished? What's the goal of the church age? What are we doing right now as a people that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? What's the command that God has given His church? Well, we read it right here. Yeah, to preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know, I was reading through the book of Acts. I had a great week. I have to admit, being out of Bible school for a week has been fun for me. Got to do more reading, thinking than I have in a while. Can I say to you that Literally every page of this Bible is full of one real revelation that God is the creator of the entire world and He loves everyone in the entire world with all of His heart. Every people group, every nation, every tongue, every kindred. I'm telling you, God is a God that all through history had prophesied over and over again, as surely as I live, all the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Again, when you read the Scripture, it's so powerful. I'm telling you, God's will is that not one would perish. Who could quote for me John 3.16? Let's do it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. How many of you know God's will is that none would perish? Not one would perish that whosoever believes in Him would not perish. And I guess it's just stirring me up today to think about a million a week pouring into eternity having never ever even heard the name of Jesus one time in their entire lives. Wow. And then we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to say that's just the way it is or actually deliberately get about this business of taking the gospel into all the world? You know, I was reading, turn with me real fast over to Mark 20, or excuse me, Matthew 24. Find this in your Bible. Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> 
I want to have a little bit of fun with you this morning as we, as we look at the Scripture. Look at what it says here in, in verse 14, Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end shall come. This gospel shall be preached. How many of you know God is not a God that can lie? Guess what, church? The gospel will be preached in all the world for a witness for all the nations, and then the end shall come. Can somebody say amen? I don't know how many of you have read books recently on the end times. Can I tell you, I know when he's coming back. When the gospel has been preached in all the world for a witness to all the nations, then the end shall come. It'll be the end of the church age. It'll be the end of the church actually accomplishing its mission. But let me tell you what else it's going to be the end of. It'll be the end of Satan's time here on earth. Let me ask you something. I mean, I know that you've all read this in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. The Bible says that the devil that deceived the whole world, the whole earth, was cast into the lake of fire. What do you think Satan's number one priority is right now? He was stripped of his authority. He was stripped of everything when Jesus died on the cross. What do you think the enemy's number one strategy is in the world today? Let's just be honest about it. I'm going to say it's to get you to do anything else than to preach the gospel in all the world for a witness. Can I say this to you? If I were Satan, I would get the church doing anything but world missions. Because I know as long as the gospel doesn't go into all the world, I'm not going to be cast into hell. I know as long as I can get the church to do anything else, that my end is not on me. And here we are 2,000 years later. Suppose God really wanted to win the whole world, and yet He's going to do it through the people that He wants to give eternal rewards to for their faithful service. Do you think that God wanted it to go 2,000 years? Do you think God wants it to go another 2,000 years? Let's just be honest for a minute. Who's the one dragging this thing out? Who's the one getting people to simply do anything else. Jesus said it like this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Isn't that what the scripture says? Didn't we just read that a minute ago? Mark 16, 15. This is not rocket science. Suppose you do, you spend your life doing everything else. Doesn't matter what it is, anything else, everything else. 
Paul makes this radical statement in Philippians 3.13. He says, this one thing I do. And what's he talking about? I want to I wanna apprehend that for which Christ has apprehended me. I want to accomplish that for which Jesus has called me to accomplish. I've got one goal, one focus, one desire in my life and heart. I want to do that for which I've been called by God. Think of the difference that Paul made with his life. And we could look at many other examples through history. How many of us could say, there's one thing my life is about? No, we'd have to say, if we were honest, these 200 things I do. (laughs) These 10 things are my life's priority. This other thing is more important to me than actually doing the one thing Jesus has asked the church to do. You know, it's amazing, again, the more I, I, I just, I don't know, live and experience life, I realize how serious it is that we set goals in life. Can I say this to you? If there's not a goal in your heart to win someone to Christ in the year 2011, most likely 2011 is going to come and go, and you will not win anyone to Christ. Because it wasn't a goal, it wasn't a focus or an objective. And can I tell you just as plainly as possible, there's one real commission, one real priority. And again, we come through the Christmas season, and I know that, again, it's a great time to focus on our families and all the things that God has blessed us with. And I know that every one of you in this room has faith in Jesus Christ. He wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning, especially after you know, the day after Christmas. But can I say to you, in just a matter of days, we're going to step into a new year. And it's just, it's just burning on the inside of me that even right here in our backyard, I remember talking with a friend of mine that's a missionary down in the Dominican Republic. There are Little towns all over the DR and little towns all over Haiti where still to this day, 2,010 years after Christ has been here on this planet that have never had a Protestant missionary go in and do a crusade. Right here in our backyard. Does that make sense? You know, it's, it's, it's one thing for us to say, Lord, I believe, and Lord, I thank You. Jesus, I want You to forgive me and save me and transform me. God, help me with whatever it would be, alcohol or drug addiction or some kind of sexual sin that we get involved in. We want a Savior, but how many of us actually want a Lord to direct us in our lives once He's saved us? I mean, this is something that every one of us has got to deal with. Are we being faithful to this great commission? You know, we, we love the concept of the love of God. 
We love the, the comfort it gives us in our heart to think God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so we say, praise God. That is just, that is such good news. I thank You, Lord. And then we find all these passages where God says that if we'll repent of our sins, He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a good God. And yet, do you understand that the justice of God and the love of God compels Him to want that message taken to the entire world? Not just the nations that have heard it, but the whole world. I mean, literally in the time that, that we will we will get up today and we will live our lives here in America, roughly 135,000 people in a day are going to step into eternity and have never heard the name of Jesus even one time in their entire lives. That's a statistic that's just staggering. It's, it's almost unimaginable that a million people a week are going to live and die here on this planet and, and have never ever heard the name of Jesus even one time. You know, it's an amazing thing because all Jesus told us to do, yes, we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yes, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. But suppose my neighbor is lost. Suppose my neighbor doesn't know Jesus. If I love that neighbor, what do I do? Am I in the right church this morning? I mean, again, I realize we, we've got sort of the, the Christmas hangover, <laughs> for a lack of a better term. Hopefully, I'm using that figuratively. I, I hope that you didn't hit the eggnog and have a, a, when I say Merry Christmas, please don't take that to extremes, okay? No, the reality is, church, there's only one priority, really, and that is to take the gospel into all the world. Can I have you turn over? Peter makes a radical statement in Second Peter chapter 3. If you will, please find this in your Bible. I want you to see it for yourself. Second Peter chapter 3. You know, in all the, I think of the people that God has sent us in this church in this last year to minister here. God has literally sent some of the greatest men and women on this planet that are changing the world and changing lives all over the world. All kinds of people. Apostolic people. Prophetic people. People that have an incredible evangelistic anointing on their life. We've heard from pastors and teachers and, I mean, just all kinds of gifts that God has placed within His body. I really believe that so that we can mature and grow... But for what? So that we can be, quote-unquote, mature? Or is it maturity unto usefulness and purpose? Unto mission? 
Again, listen to these words. I'm just, I want to quote Peter for just a minute. In verse 10, The day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. For all of you that are part of the green program here in the United States, can I point out to you verse 10. All of your ecological ideas are not going to save this planet. Now, verse 11, look at this. Since all these things are to be destroyed this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Now, would you please read this with me? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord or the day of God. Do you understand that the church actually speeds up Jesus' return to this planet? Let me read that again just so that we all really get this in our hearts. Look at verse 11. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? It's amazing. What do you think Satan's number one strategy is right now in this world? Come on, think about it for a minute. If you were Satan and you knew that when the church accomplished its mission, you were going to be cast into the lake of fire, what would be your number one strategy? Yeah, get the church to do anything but world missions. And yet, what should the church be focused on right now? Literally bringing back the Lord Jesus through fulfilling this great commission that Jesus gave to His church. Well, that, that, that's due. Amen, Pastor. Thank you. You know, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I just, I believe this with all my heart. I, I don't think the devil really cares what else you do as long as you just don't do what's going to send him to what is a sure, and I mean absolute destiny, he cannot escape. Let's just prolong it. You know, that's, you know, let's just generation to generation, let's all of us just say it's somebody else's job. It's somebody else's responsibility. Even though we believe in Christ, even though Jesus has given His church this literally one command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why don't we just all say that's somebody else's job. It's somebody else's responsibility. My responsibility is my job. It's my home. It's my family. It's my church. It's this thing that I'm doing. I want to change whatever. Chicago schools. Be blessed. Go for it. 
And can I say to you, the real command, the real commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. And when the gospel has gone into all the world, what does the Bible say? Then the end shall come. And again, I can't help it. I'm just, I'm sitting there and thinking about it. I wonder how many of us have purpose in our hearts in the year 2011. I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to preach what I know to be the truth. I can just prophesy to you right now, if, if it's not in your heart, if it's not burning on the inside of you, another year is going to come and go. And, and the bottom line is, another million a week are going to step into eternity out of countries and out of places where the name of Jesus has never, ever ever been heard. What about Afghanistan? It's not safe over there. Well, that's a great excuse. You know what Jesus said in the Great Commission? I only want you to go in the world where it's safe. Go ye into all the safe places and hold church meetings. Go where no one is going to ever get mad at you. Right? That's what it says, right? Is that the modern translation? Yeah. Get, get your black highlighter out real quick and just, just mark out that verse. It just bothers everybody, doesn't it? How dare he ask me to go into all the world. You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I In the... Late 1800s, on the Ivory Coast of Africa, do you know who took the gospel into inland Africa? Which, so you know right now, is almost 50% Christian. It is more Christian than the United States by probably 500%. They have five times the Christians we do. Okay? The word was kabisu. Have you ever heard of that word? It's when you're so skinny because you fasted so much that the cannibals don't want to eat you. I have a feeling that uh, if I were to show up in the 1800s, I would have fed a whole village. They were looking for men and women that were such skin and bones that when they showed up to these areas, and you know what? We, we look at that and go, wow, man, the history of the church is, is, you know what it is? It's one person choosing God's priority over their own. That's all it is. We got a, a, a call, uh, actually a guy that I'm working with in, in a business right now, calls me up this last week and wants to know, do you know anyone, here's his, listen to this, here's his, his invitation, that would be bold enough to go to Iraq and teach on healing. He said, I've run into six Iraqi pastors 
Now, it's in the northern part of Iraq. It's not quite as dangerous as in the south. But he says, when they have gone to these conferences in America, listen to this, when they've gone to these conferences in America and asked pastors to come and hold healing schools or healing training or to, to pray for a baptism of the Holy Spirit in their churches, the pastors will say all the time, sure, I'll come. But what do you think happens? And this is a crazy thing. Sometimes people will take taxis, hitchhike rides, show up on donkeys, and they've come for days to go to a conference, only that at the last minute the pastors decide, well, I don't know, and we better hold off. We better not come. And some of these people have, have come for days and days and days to be there. It's amazing. What is the true number one priority in our lives? It's our own safety. It's our own comfort. And do you understand world missions is not going to make your comfort and your safety the number one priority? You know, when I read the book of Acts, it's amazing. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in all the world. The very word witness. Anybody know what word it is in Greek? The word martyr. How many want to have the power to be a martyr? I know that's going to be a big altar call. All of you that want to go and give your life for world missions, come on up and respond right now. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know... That's really between God and the person that God calls. But man, I want to tell you something right now. We've got it all wrong. You know why we think the Holy Spirit's on us? So we can have power. Wait a minute. You, you, you didn't read the whole verse. The power of the Holy Spirit is on you to be a witness for Christ wherever He leads you and takes you in the world. Even to where, I mean, I love it, in, in, in Revelation 12, don't we all love the verse, they overcame, talking about Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Who can quote the rest of the verse? And they loved not their lives under the death. Wait a minute. Why do we leave that whole phrase out? We love the blood of the Lamb, don't we? And we all want a testimony. Praise God. But what about I might have to lay my life down. I might have to obey God and, and do something that would possibly jeopardize my life. I know this is crazy talk. You know, especially day after Christmas. You know, somebody, Pastor Al, take my pulse. Am I okay here to even talk like this in church? Can I say to you that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to raise up some supernatural people. David was sharing one of the wildest testimonies I've ever heard where somebody was, tell me who, who that person that got shot up, and yet they weren't shot up at all in the Middle East. Somebody taking shots at, at 
Christians that are out ministering. Their clothes are shot up, but somehow the bullets never ever penetrate their bodies. That's wild, man. I know of another one that I read about just yesterday where some missionary was shot 60 times. He's dead. Can you say? I like David's testimony more than mine. I mean, I don't know how mine's a testimony. It's more of a report of martyrdom. You know what the truth is, though, right now? Let's be honest. The easy places in the world have been reached. You know, I, but I'm going to say this to you. When I study it, do you know that there were no places that were easy? There were no places that were easy. And it was easy to show up here in 16-whatever and be a missionary to the Indians. Try to win these quote-unquote colonists. I don't think there's been an easy place in the whole world. And there's not any easy places now. You know, I want to be a little bit bold this morning if I haven't offended you yet. Praying for the harvest is not harvesting. I think a lot of us sort of comfort ourselves. Maybe we'll give to world missions. How many of you know giving is not harvesting? I knew that was going to go over big. Listen to this. Studying the harvest is not harvesting. Talking about the harvest is not harvesting. Anybody in here ever done any farm work? What do you got to do? You've got to go pick the fruit. Somebody say that. Pick the fruit. When I was a kid, we had some grapefruit groves down in southern Texas. You know how we got our grapefruits? This is heavy, man. We got out of our cars. We walked up to the tree. And we reached out and grabbed the grapefruit. Now look, I am a first-hand, experienced grapefruit picker. Certified by my dad. Go get a bag of grapefruits, son. Guess what I had to do? I had to go from where I was to where the grapefruits are. I'm going to give you some 101 world missions now. I want you to really get this. You know what's even crazier? Right here in Chicago, you know what God has done? Let me get off my point here for just a second. He sent the grapefruits to us. I mean, I used to have to get in a car, go to the fruit grove, and pick grapefruits. God has sent the harvest right here. There are hundreds of thousands of Muslims, hundreds of thousands of Hindus, hundreds of thousands of people out of every world religion you can think of. I'm telling you right now, this is the mission field. And yet, that is the mission field. When I say that, pointing to the other side of the world. You know what I really believe that every one of us needs to do? We're about to go into a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year. From January 1 to the 21st. Can I, can I challenge you this morning to actually pray, God, give me the goal for my life for bringing in a harvest this year. 
And can I say this? Don't come up to me if you've never won a soul to the Lord and say, I'm going to win 100 people to Christ this year. Give me a break. How about truly purposing in your heart to win one person to Christ? Some of you that have, that have you know, been in this a while, how about purposing in your heart to actually disciple even one person? Yesterday I was ministering to the homeless on Christmas Day. For me, it's no sacrifice at all. Are you kidding? I love to, to minister to people. But I was challenging them. How many of you guys have been in and around church for a long time? An awful lot of people have. But you know what? They haven't been discipled. Had someone sit down with them and teach them the basics. You see, just as important as going into all the world and preaching the gospel, we have the same command in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations, of all people groups. How many of you have a real burden to go into the world and preach the gospel? Should be quite a few of us in the room. But how many have more of a burden to disciple someone? To sit down with some believer and to help them learn how to walk with God. Say, I firmly believe that God is going to point and put both kinds of people in any church. Those that want to go outside and reach out to the lost. And then those that are on the inside that are going to concentrate on raising up the ones that the Lord has touched. They're disciple makers. You know what Jesus spent the vast majority of His time doing? Making disciples. Raising up His guys. It's amazing, His strategy. Wouldn't you think His strategy, Jesus Himself, should be to go and preach to as many people as possible? Isn't that how you win the world? No, you you concentrate on what's going to be 11 guys, and you raise up leaders that the multitudes can follow. But can I say this to you just as plainly as possible? Jesus was about His Father's business during His time here on earth. And you know why Christianity is so boring for so many people? Because you're not about your Father's business. In fact, it's just the opposite. You want God to bless your business. I have a feeling you're not gonna you're not gonna coerce him into blessing something he's not in. And and he's not doing. You know, I do know what God's doing right now. Can I be really bold with you? Jesus is winning the world to himself right now. And there's only those people in the church that are doing it with him. And those that are even stopping others from doing it with Him. Suppose a new believer comes into our congregation and none of us are really engaged in winning the lost. What becomes normal Christianity for that new believer? Just sitting there and being ministered. Well, that's the purpose of the church, isn't it? To provide me a safe place where I can grow and be blessed. Is that really what God's purpose for the church is? Or is it to raise you up and strengthen you that you can go out into the harvest and bring the people in? What did Jesus do? What did Paul do? What did Peter do? 
I'm telling you guys, we need to think about this. You know, if I were you in the year 2011, I would choose to live like Jesus did. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm renewing in my own heart. Can I have you turn real fast over to to, uh, Mark chapter 10? Take just a minute and look at this. Mark chapter 10. I love the summary statements in the Bible. They're all over where God literally summarizes what's going on. And here we find one of the truly great ones. Mark 10 and verse 45. Summarizing Jesus' ministry, this is what He says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You know, John Kennedy a generation ago, the president came pretty darn close to this when he said, don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. At that point, everyone was thinking, what can the government do for me? I really think this has crept into the church big time. The church is here to bless me. And if I like the worship, and if I like the pastor, and if I like the programs, and if my family's happy, then maybe I'll come. But the minute I'm not, I'm out of here. Well, brother, you're already out of here. The church is about us serving Him. Worship is about me worshiping Him. It's not, do I like the song? Is it my style? Whatever. I mean, for me, I grew up down in Texas. I haven't heard a steel guitar ever in a church. So I'm upset and I'm not going to worship. I don't think that's going to work. You know, it hit me one day when, when I obviously thought the only thing God spoke was English. Being a white guy from Texas. And it hit me in a cab in Madrid, Spain, as I'm trying to witness to this cab driver, God is in Spain! Whoa! He's the God of the whole world. Suppose God wants us to get out into the world that's never ever heard the name of Jesus even once. When Tracy and I first went to Spain in, in 1984, we went into village after village after village, small towns, some of them as many as 10,000, that had never, ever seen a Protestant missionary. You know what happened in every town we went to? Somebody got saved. Can I say this to you? The gospel works. It's just, are we going to go? Look at this. Let me read this to you again. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Can I say this to you today? Start praying about the year 2011. Are you going to live differently in 2011? than you did in 2010 or 2009 or 2008. Fundamentally, the greatest life that you're going to live, and that it's even possible to live, is a life that's focused on other people. I believe the key to all of life is being a giver. 
I'm not just talking about money, man. I'm talking about your life, your time, your effort, your energy, your love. Can you be compassionate on someone? Can you see the harvest that's all around you? You see, this, it's going to take vision from God. You're going to have to see the world through His eyes. Amen? Who's ready to fulfill the Great Commission? We're going to go to the DR this year. We're going to probably go to Haiti this year. Definitely go back to Mexico this year. In areas where, it's amazing, I was in a, in a town in Mexico about a year and a half ago, and I was thinking about it last night. You know, we had a great response that night. But the thing that hit me is, here we are, just a, you know, a few hundred miles from the American border, and in that city, in that generation at least, I mean, it's funny because they have this office that you have to submit your application for the park. Do you think they ever had a single gospel meeting in the entire city where somebody ever submitted an application? The mayor actually says, we don't know what to do. There's no procedure for this. Well, go ahead and do it. Not one church, and as far back as the city records, had ever had a meeting where somebody wanted to preach Christ with amplified sound. How long has the church been around? 2,000 years. What are we going to do about it? It's not my job, man. It's not my job. Somebody else's. Let's send David. You know, David's on fire. Let's send him. Here I am, Lord. Send David. That's what Isaiah said, right? Here I am. Send me. No, here I am. Send David. Maybe we can send Fabian too. Get him. Get him out of here. They're messing us up. We want to be comfortable. We need to get our pinkies in the air with our coffee cups and. Man, there's a world out there, guys. You want some excitement? I mean, real excitement? Go serve God doing something for somebody else. It's, it's amazing to me. We're, we're ministering to the homeless right now and ministering to the lost and doing something. You know who the happiest people in our church are? The ones that are doing something for somebody else. You know who you couldn't make happy if you had to? Somebody's just there to be served. What are you going to do for me? Well, I don't know. I might give you a swift kick. How about that? <laughs> Jesus' name. Ha, get out there. Do something for God. Church, I mean it. We need to have goals. Has anybody thought about it? Is anyone here going to go for, say, a hundred souls this year? How about a thousand? Can we even talk like that? How about ten? Man, I'd like to win ten. I told you guys when I was preaching out of jail one time, in the middle of my sermon, I've been praying all day long, God, give me one soul. The Lord said, Steve, if it's me that does it, suppose I give you two. That never occurred to me. Two people could get saved. And then about five minutes later, as I'm preaching this sermon, I just hear the Lord say, if I could do two, suppose I could do five. Ooh. 
just got big on the inside of me. And next thing I know, he said, suppose if I do it, I bring in ten. I was like, whoa. It never occurred to me. Ten people. Suppose ten people. You know how many got saved that day? Seventeen. That not, not just came forward and responded, but signed up for the discipleship one-on-one classes that we, our, our studies that we did. Seventeen kids. Holy smoke, seventeen. Ooh. I'll never forget one time when I was in Haiti. It occurred to me, we're going to have 500 people respond to the altar call tonight. I'd never seen anything like that, except maybe in like a Bonky video or an Osborne video. What about a Steve video? Ooh. There was more people responding than we even know what to do with. Look, do you think God would want to use you to change the world? Is it, is it going to be people just like us? Don't you dare lay the, I'm just a housewife or I'm just a whatever on me. I was just a construction worker. I'm an ex-oil field worker that, that got saved, that, that started picking up this book and acting on it. I'm the last guy on earth that would ever go into the ministry. My family got such a laugh out of me going into ministry that I can't tell you. It took them ten years to get over it. Every family reunion, it would be, are you still trying to do that? You've got to be kidding, man. How the most exciting life there is. You guys are all depressed and on antipsychotics and everything else, and you think I'm making the bad mistake? What a joke. If you think I'm going back to uh, trying to cope with everything. Can I give you an illustration? This is what I think has happened to many, many of us. We look at our lives almost like it's a pie. We've got X amount of, of time for this, and we've got X amount of resources, and when we just keep cutting the pie, after a while it just seems like there's, there's no peace left. You know, Pastor, you want me to go do world missions? Are you kidding? I'm swamped! How am I going to do this? Can I say this to you? you got one or two options in the way you think about this. Either you've got your pie, or you realize that God is the baker. And that He has unlimited number of pies. And let me be really honest with you. I think that what the enemy's strategy has been is to get us saying, I don't have the time, I don't have the resources, I don't have the training, I can't do this, I can't do that, there's no way I can make this happen. And you know what it's going to take you to say? My life is not my own. God, what do you want me to do this year with my life? Instead of a normal vacation Why not take a mission trip with your family? Or go on a mission trip if you're single. Instead of just the normal way of thinking about life. Look man, you come with me to the DR, you'll see the beach. But you're going to see everything else too. So you're not going to miss the sunset. 
You may be hoarse and trying to recover from a hard week's mission trip by that time you take your beach trip. But I want to tell you, we need to think differently, church. This year, this year, 2011, I want to literally challenge every one of you to go to the mission field. To be part. You know, the first time I went to Africa, I had to sleep in a tent where I heard that one of the biggest problems the natives have is sometimes the elephants will run through and step on somebody in a tent. Anybody have that kind of problem here in the United States? I actually had villages say, Pastor, pray for us. The stampedes are wiping out all of our houses. The elephants will come by and wipe out a whole row of houses or something. I have a feeling we're awfully blessed over here. Uh, you know, when's the last time a hyena kept you up all night? I have been there. Have to rebuke that thing in Jesus' name. Let me say this to you just as plainly as I can. The Great Commission is not an option. It's not for the super Christians. It's just for the people that love the Lord more than themselves. And I guarantee you, in the same way that you blow up a balloon, and that balloon now can never go back to the same shape or size that it was, it's been expanded. That's exactly what's going to happen to every single one of you, every one of us that go on a mission trip this year. Again, I know that God is going to do some incredible things in our lives. I'm telling you, 2011, we are liable to see a major outpouring of God's Spirit on this church. I have such an expectation in my heart. My faith is just sky high. I want you to know. I, I, you know why I would share this message with you? Because I believe you guys can take it. I'm just being as honest as I can. If it's the normal church kind of scene, I'll give you a normal Christmas message. You know, he's a little baby in a manger. Isn't he cute? Let's all love the baby Jesus. I don't think that's what God's doing right now, considering that he's resurrected Lord of life, ruling over the universe. And the bottom line is, he's looking for men and women tough enough to go into all the world and preach the gospel. If you and I would get over our own issues and our own sins, we might get on with the plan that God has for our lives. I submit that to you to really pray about. But not just to pray about it, to act on it. How much do we really need to pray about? Should I win souls? Should I obey God? Should I fulfill the Great Commission? Should I go and take a mission trip this year? You really need to pray about that? Everyone that needs, that needs a confirmation, I want you to come up after service. I'm going to lay hands on every one of you. I'm going to commission you. I'll even make a cross signal if that will make you feel better about yourself. Can I tell you, you've been called by God. You've been authorized by the Holy Spirit. God wants to do something awesome with every one of you. Amen. There's not one of us that is disqualified Except if you'll just continue to live in sin and literally disqualify yourself, period. God is serious about blessing you 
in blessing somebody else, which is really all world missions is. Me that has found the Lord, I'm going to go take to somebody else what God has done in my life. You're going to tell me you're too broke? You've got the wrong vision. You don't know who the baker is. The baker's God. Your pie is going to be just fine. You know, it's amazing. To this day, I'm, I'm in this 29 years. I've never, ever had the money in advance to do anything. I'm still waiting on the money to go on my first mission trip. No, the bottom line is, when I made the determination, I'm going! Guess what happened? God got it to me. Oh, I can't do it. No, you're not thinking right. You can't see yourself going yet. I want you to see yourself going. See yourself differently than you do. You're not what you were. You are a man or woman of God. Called by God. Anointed by God. Usable. Somebody say amen or I'm going to have to sit down and amen myself again. And I don't want to. Hallelujah. Well, let's call it a morning. I tell you, it's awesome to see every one of you. You know, when I, when I think about, again, a new year, man, I am blessed. Good things are happening. We're going to go to Iraq this year. I mean that. It's going to be awesome. We're going to go to some wild places. Because you know who's there? God. You know who's going to be with us? God. Father, we just, we embrace this great commission. And God, we see what the enemy's done. He's got us doing everything else. We've changed faithfulness from serving You in what You've called us to do to serving ourselves. God, I just pray this morning for every one of my brothers and sisters that are here today. Stir us up, Lord. God, when we think about Your church actually hastening Your coming to this world, God, I pray that You would stir up every man, every woman, every child, every person in this room to be part of that mighty force in the earth that hastened Your second coming to this world. Lord, I ask as a church that You would lead us to where Your name has never been preached. God, bring us back to a place where You are working with us, confirming the Word with signs and wonders following. God, anoint us to prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are not some dead God in a grave, but You are the risen, living Lord of life. Oh God, stir us up as a church to do our part in fulfilling the great 
commission. Make your number one priority our number one priority, God. Lord, we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that has gotten sidetracked. God, that has allowed other things to creep in and choke from us this commission that You've given us to go into all the world. Lord, bring us back to our focus. I pray right now, God, for goals that You would literally touch my brothers and sisters in this room Members of this church, members of other churches, God, every person in this room, give us a goal of what you would have for us this year in bringing the lost into the kingdom. God, I pray you'd raise up disciple makers. I pray you'd raise up soul winners. I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that not one person in this room would, would be barren without a single soul in the year 2011. Oh God, in Jesus' name, not one person in this room would be barren in the year 2011. God, give us souls. Give us the lost. Give us Your love and Your compassion for people. Lord, let us lift up our eyes and not be served, but let us serve and lay down our lives. Let us give our lives as a ransom for many, God. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we look to You today. Lord, we love You. We thank You. We thank You for Christmas. We thank You, God, for all that You're doing in our lives. God, deliver us from every demonic lie that has caused us not to be involved in world missions. And Lord, I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters in this room that has never, ever been to the mission field, that has never, ever won a single soul here in the United States. God, give us the lost as our inheritance. Father, take us beyond being afraid. Fill us with a boldness, Father God. A boldness motivated by love and compassion for the lost that are all around us, God. God, as we lift up our eyes, let us see the harvest that's right here in our backyard. Oh, Father God, we look to You today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Oh, God, come and do Your work here in us, through us. By us, God, in Jesus' name, amen.